Let's go ahead and turn with us to the uh, third chapter of the book of Romans. We'll pick up verse number 21 tonight and uh, go through the end of the, end of the chapter. <coughs> Romans chapter number 3. Verse number 21. Scripture reads, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say at this time, His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. <clears throat> Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, seeing as one God, which shall justify the circumcision by faith and uncircumcision through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. And... Uh, as we go back and try and look through this tonight, and uh, it'll probably take us uh, the majority of the time just to work through some uh, several words right here, uh, but we want to take our time uh, and deal with it as uh, God would have us to. But as we talked about last week and we concluded, uh, we, we kind of brought to a summation in verse number 20, really about the first three chapters uh, of the Scripture uh, and the condition of man. Uh, and where we are, and that, uh, and just to conclude where we left off uh, last week, it says in verse twenty: Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for the law is the knowledge of sin. And so we kind of leave off, and we've talked about uh, we've talked about uh, uh, the the state of the Jews. We've talked about the state of the Gentiles. And Paul rolls them all into one right here, and he begins to tell us that we are all under the condemnation of sin. We have all transgressed. We've all regressed. There is no favor or forgiveness, and it is not, uh, uh, and God is not partial uh, in that judgment. We're all sinners. <clears throat> but we pick back up uh, in verse number 21, and this is, uh, this is the beautiful part that we get to. It says, but now... The righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. And we want to stop for just a few minutes and talk about righteousness and what is righteousness and what does it mean. Uh, the, the words righteous and justification or righteousness and righteous, 
Justified and justification, they're synonymous. It's the same Greek word that's used throughout the whole entire New Testament. Uh, you can't have one without the other. And uh, when we look at this right here, this is specifically in verse 21, it's talking about God's righteousness. Uh, and when we look at what God's righteousness is, that is moral and ethical perfection. There is nothing that is failing. There is nothing that is wanting in God. This is God's character. God is righteous. Uh, and because he is righteous, he uh, possesses righteousness. And when, when we look and we address this right here specifically, we, we want to pay a considerable amount of attention, attention to how God is righteous because God is separate from sin. God is not the author of sin. God's knowledge uh, preceded and God's foreknowledge preceded all things that we uh, uh, would, could, and will do. Therefore, God is omniscient in every uh, uh, possible and potential circumstance. And because of that, uh, listen, God is justified. God is righteous in everything that he does. We need to understand that when we look at the, uh, when we look at the judgments leveraged on God uh, uh, against the people of the Old Testament and the Gentile worlds, we even see that we can draw comparison today uh, about the many and multitudes of people that have transgressed and sinned and they have rejected the blood of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. God is righteous in executing judgment because He is separate from sin. Uh, there is nothing about Him that is is infallible. Uh, listen, he is without air. Uh, listen, all things about him are absolutely, teetotally perfect. There is nothing that can ever tarnish the righteousness of God. God's righteousness is the standard. And when he, uh, when he carried Moses up on Mount Sinai and he gave him the Ten Commandments, those commandments uh, contain the righteousness of God. That's why when Jesus came in the Gospels, he told us, he said, I came not to destroy the law, but to fulfill these things. Why did Christ fulfill the law of God? Because in fulfilling the law of Christ, He satisfied God's bar of righteousness and therefore made Him a feasible and made Him an offering, that the only offering, let me clarify that, the only offering that would be acceptable. The Bible tells us in the book of Galatians, in one place it says, Verily if righteousness could have been attained, it would have been attained through the law. What did Paul mean when he wrote those words? Exactly what he meant when he wrote those words was that if we, uh, uh, carnal human beings, if we were physically capable of living uh, to every jot and to every tittle uh, of the law, then we ourselves, uh, in theory, uh, could be made righteous because we had fulfilled God's righteousness. But we've already read three chapters through the book of Romans where we have been declared bankrupt and we know that we are lost helplessly and hopelessly in our sin. There is nothing that we can do. The Bible tells us in the fifth chapter of the book of Revelation, we use this text often, but the Bible says, and I've seen him that sat upon the throne and he that sat upon the throne had a book uh, written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And the scripture 
scripture tells us this. It says that he searched heaven, he searched the earth, and he searched beneath the earth, and there was none found worthy to open the book, neither to loose the seven seals thereof. And John said, and I looked in the midst of the four beasts and the 24 elders, and I seen a lamb as it had been slain before the foundation of the world. Uh, friends, listen, the only satisfactory uh, person that we have is defined to us in the book of 1 Timothy. He said there's one mediator between God and man, and that is the man, Jesus Christ. We are all excluded. We are all under sin. There is nothing that we can do that can attain to God's righteousness because God's righteousness is perfect. We cannot get there. We need to draw this line in the sand and we need to understand that, that there is nothing that exceeds God's righteousness. The things that we deem righteous in this world are set by the uh, moral, uh, listen, and ethical guidelines and borders and baselines that are established from God's character because God's character is righteous. So, as we establish, now the Bible says, but now the righteousness of God without the law uh, is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. So here, friend, uh, listen, we are turning the tables in verse number 21. We're leaving, uh, we're leaving the sinfulness of man and we are entering into God's righteousness. And this is where it really truly gets beautiful. The Bible says in verse 22, it says, Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. And this is where, uh, listen, this is where the rubber meets the road. And the cash value of this right here is we see that there is an imputation that takes place. What is imputation, preacher? Uh, listen, when a sinner surrenders, when he reaches that place and point of conviction in his life, uh, listen, and, and Holy Ghost conviction is truth. It's reality. It's real. And if you've truly, truly been born again, washed in the blood of Jesus, then you've experienced that type of conviction. It's not a sorrow where we're sorry for what we've done. It's not a, it's not a feeling where we're sorry we have offended our brother or our mother or our husband or our wife. But it is a reality that sets in on us that we are now accountable and responsible to the righteous maker of all things and our guilt and our conscience is laid at the feet in the burden of Christ and we have exhausted ourselves. There's nothing else that we can do. There's nothing else that we can offer. Listen friends, that's why the song Just As I Am is so gloriously beautiful. Amen? Because Christ, friends, He does not want us. Nor did He die for us in our own righteousness. The Bible clearly defines to us that our righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of God. Those filthy rags, to get a little graphic here for just a few minutes, those filthy rags, uh, listen, the lepers of the Old Testament, they would take and they would tear uh, old strips of, of cloth and bag and uh, listen, tote sacks and they would take those claws and they would wrap their pus filled sores as they were exposed on their body and as the blood and the pus and the infection ran out of them, they would take these rags and wrap them around their wombs in hopes uh, 
but to close and suppress the disease that was coming out of them. And Christ said, your righteousness is as these filthy rags. The very best you can do is putrid in the nostrils of God. Nothing we can do. Nothing we can offer. Friends, listen, we said this last week and we want to reiterate this again this week. Friends, listen, God is the initiator of our salvation. Listen, God is the initiator. He started this thing. He seeks us continually and fervently. Friends, he sent his only begotten son if we believe textually what John 3, 16, the Bible tells us, for God so loved the world. That word world in the Greek is the cosmos. It is the first, the second, and the third heaven. It is all planetary systems and universes as we and our minds can intellectually comprehend. Friends, listen. He said that he loved everything and everybody so much that he emptied heaven. Listen. Called for the precious crown jewel and diadem of heaven. Listen. He enthroned and robed himself in a body of flesh. Listen, he left his father, came down to this earth because he loved you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That is the Lord Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, the mediator that stands between God and man. Listen, listen, that he gave his only begotten son. The Bible tells us this, that whosoever believeth upon him should not perish. Listen, we won't find death but we shall live eternally and everlasting more. That is God's promise. And listen, when, and we're going to talk about the cross here in just a minute. We've talked about it, preached about it uh, several times over the last couple of years, but we're going to talk about it uh, in a little bit of uh, extent tonight. But listen, we see uh, where we have the righteousness of God the Father that it can only be supplied and met uh, in, uh, uh, listen, the mediatory substitutionary sacrifice of His Son, Jesus Christ. And when He fulfills all those things, He sends the Spirit of God whereby is the operation, that's the operative person of the Godhead whereby we are convicted, whereby we're sealed, and whereby we're saved. Without God, we have nothing. Without Him, we are nothing. But now the Bible tells us, it says, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. Now listen, I want you to pay attention to the verbiage right here. The Bible says that God's righteousness is unto all, and it's, now listen, there's, there's two alls right here. It's unto all, but it's upon all them that believe. There's a distinction between the alls. Now, listen, when we, when we uh, talk about the cross of Calvary, when we talk about the atonement in general, when we discuss what specifically preacher is the atonement, it is the place whereby Christ satisfied God's righteousness. That is what atonement is. 
And now, uh, listen, as we look at Dr. David Allen, uh, listen, he, he wrote a book called The Extent of the Atonement, and he lays it out in three principles. I'd encourage you to read the book. It's 850-something pages long, but it's a good read. Amen, preacher. I'm glad you're there. But now listen. He lays out three. Uh, he lays out three things. He said we have the ex, uh, the intent of the uh, of the cross or the intention of the atonement. We have the the extent or the extension of the atonement, and we have the application. You see, the intention of the atonement. Uh, listen, that there was an intention in which God left all that He has, all that He knows in heaven for one purpose. What? was that intention. His intention was for redemption. That was his intention. Now, 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 who was the extension of the redemption or the atonement offered to? It was offered to all. Amen. We've already talked about it. In context, when we read John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, we can see all these world passages. Uh, listen, in the New Testament, we see them constantly. He said, uh, listen, the Lord is long-suffering to us. We're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come unto repentance. Friends, listen, First John 2 and 1, he said, I write these things unto you little children that you sin not. But if you do sin, we have an advocate or a mediator or a lawyer. Listen, we have a, a, an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who is the propitiation for our sin, but not for our sin only, the sin of the whole world. Friends, listen, the extension of Calvary is for every single individual and every single person. God's will, God's purpose, God's love, God's grace, and God's mercy is to save all. Amen. But now, friends, listen, I want you to hear me plainly and clearly on this. The application of the atonement, uh, listen, uh, is only when we by faith through grace and through the mercy which God has extended, when we believe upon the saving work of Calvary. Listen to me closely when I say this. Friends, Calvary itself saved no one. It saved no one. But listen, when we take what was done on Calvary and we apply it through belief by grace, then we are saved. Amen. We have been saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. That's the context of salvation. Listen, we have been saved from our sin. We are being saved from this present world, and we will be saved into that glorified body into heaven. Friends, listen, there is a hope, there is a promise for the redeemed of God. And thank God that salvation is eternal. Thank God that salvation is a state, it is a standing. We're going to get into that in just a few minutes. Now, listen, the Bible talks about, and the reason I said all this is because I wanted to bring light the imputation aspect of this. Uh, friends, if you would, you don't have to turn, uh, but listen, I'm going to read this to you, 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. The Bible says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we may be made the righteousness of God in him. Amen. For he hath made him, uh, listen, he has made him to be sin for us. He is our substitute. He is our Pascal lamb. 
He, my friends, is our scapegoat. He is the one who took the burden of our sins. In Isaiah 53, the Bible tells us that the weight and the burden of our sin was cast upon Him. He carried our sin. He bore our iniquities. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 53, 10, and God was satisfied. Thank God. Listen to me, friends. Listen, I'm glad that there is a part of righteousness that has to be satisfied, and Christ was the only one who could satisfy God's righteousness, and He'd done it on Calvary. So there's an intention to Calvary. There's an extension to Calvary, and there's an application to Calvary. Friends, listen, I tell you, people lost and dying and going to hell because, listen, not because they don't have a Savior, not because there's not atonement to cover their sins, not because they're putrid, abominable or unrighteous but they're simply not saved because they won't believe on the Lord Jesus Christ if they believe upon the cross of Calvary heaven could be their home Friends, listen, I'm telling you something today. There is absolutely no excuse. That's why, my friends, that you are without excuse. That's why there is no reason. Now, listen, they will be, I'm, I'm telling you something, people cultivate some of the most hysterical lies. Now, listen, that you ever heard with these ears. They talk about parties in hell. They talk about enjoying being in hell. Now, friends, today, listen to me. The Bible clearly depicts and sketches us a clear reality of what hell is is to be in the absence of God without the love and the mercy of Christ it's a place where the Bible says that there's weeping wailing and gnashing of teeth that there's darkness that can be felt listen to me the Bible teaches us in the book of Luke the scripture says listen that the rich man when he died he had his consciousness he understood where he was listen the Bible tells us when he got down there that he spoke verbally and he looked across and he saw Abraham and he said Lazarus laying in his bosom. He said, Father Abraham, send Lazarus over here that he may dip his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. Friends, listen to me. There is torment. There is anguish. There is consciousness in hell. People, listen, you need to really analyze where you stand with God. I'm glad that I know I'm saved. I'm glad that I know that I'm not going to hell. Amen. Friends, listen tonight. I'm glad that there is purpose in the cross of Calvary. I'm glad that there was purpose on the man of Calvary. Amen. Uh, friends, listen. I'm glad that there's purpose, that there's intention. Uh, friends, listen. When we by faith through grace, uh, listen, I'm going to get on to this. Or, uh, we'll never get done tonight. Uh, uh, but listen, the Bible says now, uh, listen, it's unto all. Listen, he's extended all things to us. Uh, like I said, Calvary's been extended all, but it's upon all. It's only applied when you believe. That's why people go to hell. Because they choose the pleasures of unrighteousness. Because they choose to in, indulge and embellish their flesh. Because they choose rather, uh, listen, uh, to enjoy the pleasures of sin when the Bible tells us that it's all so only for a season. What a sad, despairing thought, friends. Listen, that people, oh, I wish you could hear my heart, uh, friends, tonight. I wish the whole world could hear, uh, friends, listen, that they have somebody who loves them. There is somebody who loves them more than mother and daddy, more than grandmother 
and grandfather. There's someone who loves them. Uh, listen, in the despicableness and the abominables and the atrocities of their sin in all things that are wickedness and all things that are hellish, my friends, and separate us from God, that is when He loves us. Not when you're good. What a wonderful thought. Preacher, I don't know. I don't want Jesus. I, I don't want to reveal all my sin to him, preacher. Oh, friends, tonight I want to tell him everything. Amen. I want him to know it all. Thank God. I listen, I'm glad when I confess it all. I'm glad when he knows it all. I'm glad that I have confidence that he's covered it all. Amen. Oh, listen. I tell you something, friend. Hey, I'm not too good. Oh, friends, I tell you this tonight. I've said this many a time during revival. I'd not go to hell for nobody nor nothing in this world. Listen, I don't care what kind of title, what kind of position, what kind of membership, how many baptisms, how many revivals, how many Lord's suppers, how many foot washings. I'm telling you what, I'd throw them up and water them up and throw them in the trash can. I'd trade them. That's, what he, that's exactly what Paul said. He said, I tell all these things is done that I may win Christ. Well, friends, tonight I... I'd listen, I'd give it all up and I'd trade it all away just so I know I have Jesus. Why? Well, I want people to know that they have Jesus. Friends, listen as we'll get on this now. The Bible says in verse 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now listen, let's read the preceding verse and put for verse number 23 in its proper context. The Bible said... Listen, that Jesus Christ, uh, 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 or the righteousness of God, which is uh, by faith of Jesus Christ, it's unto all and it's upon all uh, them that believe. For there is no difference. The Bible says, for all have sinned. Thank God that there's a remedy for all. All have sinned. All are wretched. All are miserable. All are wicked. But thank God Calvary is for all. It's not limited in its capacity. Friends, listen, it's not particular in its atonement. It's not definite in its decision. Thank God that Calvary is universal. And he holds and he stands there at the cross of Calvary with his arms outstretched, bidding to a lost and dying to a world, come and be saved. If you go to hell, you'll go over Calvary. What a tragedy. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Amen. Friends, listen to me. When we talk about tonight when we go to the understanding. Uh, listen, I want you to understand something tonight. I, I'm glad that, listen, God pursued heavily. Amen. Friends, listen. I, I want us to understand tonight uh, uh, listen, uh, uh, and, and this is theological talk and this is church talk, but you'll understand where I'm coming from. A lot of people say, well, God reached down and I reached up. God reached down and picked me up. Amen. Amen. Yeah. 
Hey, I'm going to tell you something, friends, tonight. When I, uh, the most beautiful picture of salvation is depicted to us when Peter, when he was uh, on the ship, the Bible says, and a boisterous and great mighty wind and wave and a tumultuous storm had risen. And the Bible said, oh, Peter, he looked over the stern of the ship and he said, Jesus, is that you? He said, yes, it is I. Peter said, Lord, bid me to come unto thee. Bid me to come unto thee. And Jesus said, well, come on. Amen. Peter, one step, two step, three steps. I don't know how many he took. Hey, listen, but he took more than I have. Say amen. Friends, listen, and off on the top of the water he went. And all of a sudden he started looking around to the left and to the right. He's seen the winds. He's seen the waves. Uh, listen, he's seen them crashing way over the tops of his head. The sea mist was running by his face. The wind was carrying and ripping his shirt. And he took his eyes off of Christ. And he began to sink. This is the moment of salvation. Amen. Listen, when a person begins to sink is the point in time and place in which conviction is finished and they realize where they stand. And all of a sudden, in the midst of all the chaos, Peter begins to sink and he goes, uh, listen, to the point of submersion. He's flopping and he's flying around in the waters and he looks up and he said, Lord, save me. Out of the water and in the boat. Amen. Peter didn't do one thing. He believed on the one that was in the water. Friends, listen. I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything to get it. Amen. If I done something to get it, then that means I could also do something to keep it. Right? If you done something to get it, you can do something to keep it. I'm glad that I didn't get it. I didn't keep it. Amen. Friends, listen. I solely surrendered to the cross of Calvary. I said, Lord, save me. And I'm glad in the midst of all my unrighteousness and all my sin, I'm glad that He, He, the Lord Jesus Christ, through God the Father and the unction of the Holy Spirit of God, He gloriously saved me from the miry pit in which I was falling into. He took me and He stood me up and He set my feet upon a rock. He established my goal. He set the Holy Spirit in me to lead me in all truths and ways and paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And He said, I want you to go be light. I want you to be life. And listen, He said, I want you to be a light unto this dying world. Go show Him your salt. Amen. Hey, that's why I believe today, friends, listen, there's a genuineness to being saved. Well, friends, today, listen, hey, I, uh, I, I've tiptoed around this, uh, listen, for weeks only, and then I want to say this, friends, listen, you've heard me say this before, but I want to say this especially right here tonight. Listen, I believe that there's too many people in the house of God, they've taken way too much grace, they've taken way too much liberty, and God's forgiven and salvation grace that He has extended toward us. Listen to me, I'm glad that I, I'm confident in the doctrine of eternal security, but you know what? I'm not going to heaven on doctrine. Amen? I'm going to heaven because of Jesus. Jesus better establish what doctrine we hold to. 
Friends, listen, there is a place, there is a point where we take and we push too much liberty. Friends, today, listen, we look around, we look and we view the expanse of our church and we see many empty pews. Amen. Friends, listen, you don't have to say amen. I'll say amen myself and I got eyes I can see. We see the empty pews. We see the dry services. We go through the motions. We look around and we say, Lord, where are you at? Well, I can tell you where he went in the Baptist church. We've taken so much liberty and grace. Amen. We've got up here and spewed for years and years and years. Once you're saved, you're always saved. You say, preacher, you don't believe that? Listen, I believe that, listen, I believe that I'm saved. But I also believe what James said. Amen. You believe the whole Bible. Say amen if you believe the Bible. Amen. This is an interactive sermon. Hey, if you believe the whole Bible, you know what James said? James said, I'll show you my faith by my works. True. Preacher, you're saying that you believe that you've got a works-based salvation? No, I just told you. I just preached to you about how you're saved. Amen. Uh, friends, listen. But when you're saved, there is a newness. Amen. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, old things pass away, and behold, all things have become new. Amen. So if we are a new creature or a new creation and a new creature, uh, listen, in the Lord Jesus Christ, listen, if he's changed, our, if we truly have repented, what does repent mean? Preacher, it means to change our mind. Amen. He said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So friends, listen, I believe if there's been a new man brought up on the inside, I believe if we've had a change of mind, I believe if we change our heart, I believe he'll change our tongue. I believe we'll change our walk. Yes. Amen. I believe we'll enjoy being saved. Amen. You know what? I believe, we'll be, I believe we'll be able to enjoy doing what saved people do. Yeah. Amen. Now, I'm not talking about religious people. Yeah. Amen. I'm sick to my eyeballs with religious people. Yeah. I'll just go ahead and tell you. Amen. I, listen, I, hey, I tell you, we've got the most religious people I've ever seen in my life. Listen, they check boxes, they do this, they don't never pray. They ain't never even about even open their Bible. Amen. I, listen to me. All they want to do is live in the past, live by ordinances, live by rules, and they want to live with their thumb lit down on everybody else making sure. I, listen, that's what I call the church and the preaching police. Amen. Hey, I'm telling you, I'm done with them. I'm not talking about being religious. I'm talking about being saved. When you're saved, you have joy. You have peace. There'll be fruit. Amen. You'll have a love for your brother. Listen, I, listen. I, I want to tell you something, friends. Uh, I, I'm not. I, I'm not preaching, uh, and I'm not teaching the Word of God tonight. I listen because I have to. Amen. I'm doing this because I love it. Amen. I love doing this because I love Him. Friends, listen, there's, and I tell you, we've been, uh, uh, we've been bombarded in our minds and in our hearts with what we can and what we cannot do. What, how we can and how we cannot preach and how we can and how we cannot hold service. Friends, listen, I tell you, they thought Jesus was, you know why the Pharisees say, I, 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 I'm, I'm 
entirely satisfied, the vast majority of the church would have treated Jesus just like the Pharisees did. We say it's got to be this way. Jesus walked to him and he said, will that be made whole? And, and the, you know what the man did? He gave him a religious response, Wayne. He told him, he said, well, every time the angel comes down and troubles the water, he said, some man goes in before me. And he said, I can't. Jesus said, well, take up your bed and walk. Look to Jesus. He'll never lead us wrong. Hey. For all this sin to come short of the glory of God. Now listen, being justified freely by His grace. Being justified freely by His grace. Now listen, I'm going to tell you something. I told you earlier that righteousness and justification is the same Greek word. They're synonymous in the Scripture. And listen, when we are justified, this is a judicial act of God whereby He pronounces somebody that is a sinner. He declares them righteous in the court of law. Amen, preacher. You understand that? At the point in time of salvation, listen, the God and creator of all things that ever has been, ever will be, and all that is, He declares and He looks upon you through the grace which Christ has extended to us, through the operative work of the Holy Spirit, we surrender ourselves unto Him and we say, Lord Jesus, save me. And the Bible declares that He imputes into us the righteousness of the man of Calvary, Jesus Christ. And when He imputes into a sinner, uh, listen, the righteousness of the man of Calvary, He declares him justified, which is a judicial act of God. He is declared innocent forevermore. His state, His nature is changed. He's different. He's justified. Now, preacher, listen, I, and I want to say all this, and I'm not backing up on what I'm saying, but listen, I do understand this, and Paul addresses this. Listen, he said, I understand that, uh, listen, that we are dead to sin, but you know what we still do? Even if we are dead to sin, you know what we still do? We still sin. Because this fleshly body that's why Paul said, I know if this earthly house, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he said, I know if this earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, I have a building of God, not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Friends, listen to us. This house that we live in is just the mere residence of what God has purchased and He has sealed according to Ephesians chapter 1. It said, In whom after you believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest, the earnest of your inheritance until the purchase of the prize possession. Amen. I, I got to preach Monday evening. One of my dear friends went home to be with Jesus. And I'm glad, listen, that through utterance of the Spirit, friends, listen, I'm glad that, listen, we just see visions of people that are saved when it comes time to depart this life. Amen. Hey, when the angels hook up and they leave the sides of the north and they descend, listen, into this lower valley. I'm glad that there's an ultimate surrender where this flesh is unshackled from the Spirit of God that has sealed the seed on the inside. And it lays down this flesh and we harness the chariot of glory as the Son of God stands and awaits His children at their great homecoming. Amen. 
Well, I'm telling you, that's what it means to be justified. That's what it means. Hey, we're put in a righteous state through the imputated, uh, listen, through the imputation and the work which was done for us on Calvary. I said this a few weeks ago. I'll say it again tonight. Listen, we, we ourselves are not saved by works. It's impossible. Ephesians 2 and 8, the Bible tells us, for uh, by grace are we saved through faith, and that not of ourselves, but it is the gift of God. Friends, listen to me. We're not saved by our works, but we are absolutely saved by Him. His work. What he done on Calvary is the reason that we are saved. So friends, listen. All of sin that comes short of the glory of God. Now listen, he said we're being justified. Listen, a judicial act has been pronounced upon those that have believed upon the righteousness which has been imputed to them by the Son, sealed by the Spirit. Well, I'm glad I'm saved, ain't you? This makes me want to preach. Being justified freely. What? Isn't this amazing? We're judicially put in a right standing. We're standing in the court of law. Listen, we are standing at the judgment bar of God. Our soul is being required of us. And He pronounces innocence on us for free. He said, you're justified. Through the righteousness of Christ. What about that? Being justified freely by His grace, the unmerited favor of God toward man. Isn't this something tonight? Isn't this a beautiful picture? The unmerited favor. Boy, I'm th- thank God. Listen, what does that mean, preacher? That means that we got something that we didn't deserve. That's what grace is. We got something we didn't deserve. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. You see, He showed us mercy because we didn't get what we do deserve. Then He showed us grace by giving us something that we didn't deserve. And then He declares us righteous and justifies us for free. As demonstrated, as we can see this. Uh, listen, we see judicial language already in the text. And that's why we quoted to you First John chapter 2 when He talks about an advocate. That means attorney. That's a lawyer. Amen. So we see this judicial language in the text. And that's how we know that we are judicially free, that we are changed, we are a new creature, that He has made us whole, that He's made us new. Listen, it says we're justified freely by His grace through the redemption. Thank God, amen, that is in Christ Jesus. I could spend 50 years preaching on verse number 24 and I'd never get it done. That is such a mouthful. What is redemption, preacher? It's the buying back. There was a ransom held against man. Now let's read this backwards. Amen. There was a ransom held against man which was surrendered in the Garden of Eden when our greatest grandfather Adam, when he surrendered by disobedience, and he and his wife Eve, they surrendered by disobedience. They ate of the forbidden fruit, and they surrendered their state of holiness and perfection in God's garden. They surrendered it and gave it back. And God came looking for them. Adam, Adam, where art thou? He said, I hid myself from thee, for I was naked. Amen. We talked last week about being naked. Amen. Uh, friends, listen, what does that really mean? Adam knew he was now accountable because he had the wisdom of the gods. Listen, because he could discern. What, did, what knowledge did that give him? What knowledge 
God tells us what that knowledge of the tree, of the knowledge of good and evil. God told them what the tree was. But Adam didn't know he was naked until he ate of it. It's pretty self-explanatory. He realized where he stood. He surrendered his state. Now he was in the state. He was in the state of an angel. He was not an angelic being because he had been formed by the hand of God. He'd been breathed into, uh, listened to his nostrils with the breath of God. And the Bible says, therefore, he was made a living soul. He was a different creature than an angelic being. But listen, he had the same state as an angel. He was created sinless. We are not created sinless. But Adam surrendered all things in the garden. Uh, and when he did, listen, there was leverage, there was a ransom held against all of humanity by Satan himself. There was a ransom hell. Listen, the world system and all things that can, and all humanity and all actions had been ransomed into sin. Sin was holding us ransom. So there's only one way to get out of a ransom, and that's to redeem it. What does that mean? That means to pay it off. So when Christ uttered the words tetelestai, when he said it is finished, that's what he means. That's a Greek accounting term which means paid in full. Amen. Uh, listen, so listen, what did Calvary do? Calvary was the act of redemption. He paid the ransom price in which sin held. And he bought back everything which he created. Why? Because he loved you. So Christ went to the cross of Calvary. Now listen, let's read this backwards. Christ went to the cross of Calvary. He redeemed us. What did He do? He paid back. Amen. He bought back what was His. Amen. And He paid it in blood. And listen, because He paid it back in blood, and that gives Him the opportunity to afford us grace. And by grace, He can, uh, He, because He is God, He can freely execute the judicial act of justification because He is the Redeemer. That makes me want to run around a little bit. Verse 25, <clears throat> we'll try and get through this and be done. It says, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past. I wrote this definition of atonement down. We said it earlier. Uh, listen, uh, atonement or propitiation is the expiation of sin or the forgiveness, the payment of sin. It's the satisfaction of God's wrath. And I want you to pay attention, friends. Listen. Uh, so God, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ is the perpetuating sacrifice, the substitutionary perpetuating sacrifice, which is the only thing that will redeem us back to God. That's it. That's why, Je listen, there's more to the passage when Jesus said, John 14, 6, Thomas said, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Je listen, Thomas didn't even have a clue what he was asking. And Jesus uh, gave one of the most profound answers that will never, uh, listen, my mind will never really be able to understand. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father lest he come by me. 
Friends, listen to me. There's only one propitiation. That word propitiation is used in the Old Testament for the place of mercy. Commonly known and commonly preached as the mercy seat. So listen, friends. What was offered upon the mercy seat was the... The sacrifice was offered on the mercy seat. So Christ was the sacrifice and He was also the place of mercy because He endured God's wrath by standing in our stead. It said, Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith. Thank God that we have a place. Listen, God has established Christ to be a place of mercy through faith is what that says. God has established Christ, the propitiation, to be a place of mercy through faith. Talking about us. In His blood, we have faith in the redeeming, the atoning work of the cross of Calvary. It says, now listen, we have all these things for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. That's God's long suffering. That is God's enduring quality. That is God's love in the midst of our sin. Listen, and we'll wind this up as best we can. It says, to declare, I say at this time, His righteousness. I love this part right here. That He might be just. Amen. Now he now listen, he is just, he is righteous. Amen. The two words are synonymous. That he might be just or that he might be right and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. You see it's his plan. He has executed it in perfection and to finality. That's why he declared, the last words he declared on the cross of Calvary was, it is finished. And he meant every word of it. We keep looking for things. We keep asking, begging God for things. And he's declared to his son, it's finished. Thank God that the Spirit of God that it walks up and down the aisles of the church goes in and out through the world and it's, uh, uh, and it's drawing and it's speaking and I'm glad the Bible tells us the, the, the work of the Holy Spirit. He said when the Spirit, he said it's expedient that I go away for I go not away then the Comforter cannot come. And he said when He has come, He will reprove the world of sin. What is the operative work of the Holy Spirit? It is to bring conviction. Amen. What is conviction and finality that is facing the truth? When you face the truth, when you realize I can't go to heaven on my own righteousness, on my own merit, on my own works, hell ain't no party, hell ain't no fun. The world has done a tremendous job. Boy, I've said this, and I'm going to take a tangent here just, just for a minute. Listen, the world has done a phenomenal job at exercising uh, the appetite of sin. We see it on television. We see it in commercials. We hear it on the radio. We see it in our everyday walk of life. We have this, uh, we have this overwhelming desire. We see the joy and the pleasures of all things that surround us. 
We want to embellish this flesh. We want to, listen, we live, especially in this day and time, this world which we live in, we want to have immediate satisfaction. We want to have immediate return. But I'll tell you something, friends, listen. If the devil can get you far enough alone, we talked about last week about wheel setters. There's choices and decisions that we make in our life. And it, uh, listen, when we make a choice, when we make a free libertarian, free choice, and it changes and alters the course of our lives, we, we only have a particular set of circumstances and our range of options changes. Amen. Uh, listen, if you choose to live one way, friends, listen, sometimes you can never go back. I, I used this analogy last week. I say it again. A man that's standing on the cliff, he has the free choice to stand. He has the free choice to turn around. And he has the choice to jump. He chooses to jump halfway down. He decides he don't want to do that anymore. You know what he can't do? Change his mind. Be careful. Church, be so careful. Amen. Young people, old people alike, be careful. Yeah. And listen, I, I don't want to preach this to us or teach this in an aspect where we think that we've got to walk around on eggshells all the time. Listen, I, I believe that the, 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 the blanket and the security of God watches over us. The Bible says that He make of intercession for us when we can't even utter things ourselves. According to the 8th chapter of Romans, the Spirit leads us. It convicts us. If, there is, if there's anything that could bring harm or, or, or retribution against our soul, you know, I'm glad that there's something that wells up on the inside of me that lets me know what I'm doing is wrong. But I believe a lot of people today, they're living, a, they're living a good Christian life, but they don't have any direction because they've never been saved. They've just never been saved. They've never met the truth. I'm glad that there's opportunity if we press on. Amen. If we seek Him, He'll seek us. The Bible says, to declare I say at this time, His righteousness that He might be just and the justifier of Him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? Amen, Paul. Where is it? Old friends, listen, I would love to ask an overwhelming majority of churches today, what are you boasting about? What are we boasting about? For it's all about Him. Paul's talking to the Jews right here. He said, don't boast and don't, don't show favoritism, but just because you're a Jew. He said, but rejoice in that He has saved us. Amen. Jesus told us this one time. He said, fear not Him which hath the power to destroy the body. He said, but fear him which hath the power to destroy the body and the soul in hell. Whereas boasting then is excluded by what law? Of works? Nay, but the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Amen. <laughs> Ain't that good stuff? I can almost see the jury. <laughs> Can't you? I can almost see the jury at my trial as they stand up and they read these words. 
Therefore we conclude that this man has been justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Amen. Ain't you glad that when we stood at our own trial and we looked to the jury of our peers and the Satan and all things that was bearing down upon us, I'm glad that we had our advocate, the second person of the Trinity, standing in our corner. He had pleaded our case. He had redeemed us. He had bought us back. He had justified us. He had exercised grace. He had exercised mercy. And the enemy leveraged accusation against against us and the jury said he's free amen boy ain't that wonderful he's free boy I'm telling you something if I don't run glory if verse 28 don't run glory bumps over you you probably need to get saved I'm just being honest with you <laughs> listen verse 29 the Bible said is he the God of the Jews only it's a question. Is he not also of the Gentiles? It's a question. He says, yes, of the Gentiles also. Thank God. Amen. Seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and uncircumcision through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. Amen. That's why Jesus said, I came not to destroy this law. He said, but I came to fulfill it. Thank God He fulfilled it because when He fulfilled it, thereby He can impute into us righteousness and He can declare us justified, free. Thank God I'm free. Amen. Boy, it just took just a few verses, didn't it? We talked about for three chapters how sinful we are. And Paul took about ten verses and told us the best thing that we'll ever hear in our lives. Free. Free. I, I want to read this to you right here. John 840. Y'all come on to the piano if you would and get you a song. We'll give uh, one verse of invitation as we close out tonight John 8 32 there's a plaque of this on the wall inside the CIA building and ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free amen ain't that something Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life I'm glad I know the truth. It didn't say it set me free. Amen. That's how that's quoted a lot of times. I, if you know the truth, it'll set you free. That's not what the Bible said. He said we shall know the truth and it shall make us free. Amen. Make us free. I'm glad that we are changed. I'm glad that we're new. Glad that we have a perpetuation, a redeemer who freely justified and filled us with righteousness. As we stand to our feet tonight, don't know your heart, you do what's on your heart.